to 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse number 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse number 6. The Bible's talking about Jehoshaphat here in this text. And the Bible says, And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hel and to Obadiah and Zechariah and to Nethanel and to Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, Levites even Shemaiah and Nethaniah and Zebediah and Asahel and Shemiramoth and Jehonathan and Adonijah and Tobijah and Tobadonijah, Levites, and with them Elishama and Jehoram priest. And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that you would bless the message tonight. Thank you for the singing. Lord, thank you how we've been reminded of Jesus and the grace of God. Lord, we've been reminded of heaven's bright shore. And I pray that you'll bless now. Lord, give us liberty. Thank you for such a good day that we've had, uh, Lord, in your house and with your people. And Lord, even with family, we ask you now to bless and speak to hearts. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice with me just on the outset of this message four uh, very important things that we see in this text. First of all, in verse number nine or verse number six, should I say, uh, we notice the Lord. The Bible said that his heart, talking about Jehoshaphat, was lifted up. But now notice how it was lifted up. It was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. It's a wrong thing. It's a sinful thing if a man, his his heart is lifted up in pride. But Jehoshaphat's heart was not lifted lifted up in himself, but it was lifted up in the ways of the Lord, meaning that he wanted to please God and he wanted to accomplish the will of God in his life. Amen? And now the Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Well, that's literally what happens in chapter 17 when Jehoshaphat becomes king. He lifts up the Lord and he honors God and God honors him and puts fear amongst all those nations that do not honor God. And so we notice the Lord in verse number 6 and then we notice the leaders in verse number 7. The Bible said in the third year of his reign he sent to his princes even to Ben-Hel and to Obadiah and Zechariah and Nethanel and to Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. One of the things that Jehoshaphat realized is that he needed those who were in leadership uh, to follow his leadership. In other words he believed in delegation. He believed those that were in charge at, uh, uh, of those cities around about him that they had to follow and they had to pull in the same direction uh, that God was leading him in. You know that's true in a church tonight. If a church is going to go forward and accomplish the will of God, then we all have to pull in the same direction. Amen. I'm telling you, if you want to grieve the Holy Spirit and lock the ministry and the work of God down, it only takes one or two people uh, that get to, uh, get something in their crawl and they've got to go against the church and go against the preacher. And I'll tell you, it'll lock a service down. The only thing you can do is pray and preach it out sometimes uh, uh, but we notice the leadership here and then we notice the Levites in verse number 8 the Bible said he sent Levites Shemaiah, Nethanel, uh, Zebediah Azahel, Shemaramoth and he talks about Jehonathan and Adonijah and Tobijah and Tobadonijah and he mentions these Levites here uh, that had the responsibility that he was about to give them to go and to teach the word of God. You know that was the responsibility of a priest and a Levite was to show the people what was right 
right and to show them what was wrong. Amen. In fact, if you go back to chapter number 15, and we'll not do that, but when Azariah came to King Asa, he said this to him. He said in verse number 3, now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest uh, and without law. Amen. In other words, uh, uh, they didn't have the real thing when it came to worship. They were going through the formalities of worship, but the presence of God was not there. And the Levites were not teaching the truth uh, that needed to be taught. I tell you, the Bible says that our people are destroyed. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. Amen. Uh, The more you know about the Bible, uh, the more freer you're going to live in your Christian life. Amen. Uh, Listen, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. And I'm glad Jesus is coming again. But it's going to take more than just knowing those three things uh, if you're going to live a victorious Christian life. And I'm not minimizing that when I say that. But the Bible said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. We ought to know our Bible and we ought to study our Bible because Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The more truth you know, the more freer you're going to live. Can I get an amen right there? And so we see the Lord and we see the leaders and then we see the Levites. But when we get to verse number 9, notice this. The Bible says, and they taught in Judah and have noticed the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. You see, when you get to verse number 9, we see the law. Amen. And that's what Jehoshaphat is elevating in all the cities round about him that God has sovereignly put him over. His my friend is elevating the word of God. I think this scripture tonight is important for a couple reasons. Number one, because what you have in this text here is you have government and education coming together. Now there's nothing wrong with government because God ordained you. Can I get a witness right there? And there's nothing wrong with education because listen, knowledge will help you and the Bible teaches that as we already mentioned. But you've got to have the right kind of education and you've got to have the right kind of government. And the reason God blesses them is because Jehoshaphat, his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord and he took this book, the law of God, the Pentateuch, uh, the five books of Moses. Uh, he took those book there, that book there, the very law of God. And you know what he did? Uh, he brought it into government. The reason America's in trouble tonight is because she kicked God out of her public school system. And as I mentioned the other day, they're not experiencing education, but they're experiencing indoctrination because they're not teaching the truth uh, and they're not teaching the truth about history. They're not teaching the truth about the present day and they're sure not teaching the truth about the Word of God, but they're teaching what they want a younger generation to know uh, for their own agenda. And I got to thinking about that probably several months ago and more importantly, I feel like God just put it on my heart for these young people and for the young families in our church that are trying to raise their children in the right way and you want your children to live for God and you want them to marry well and you want them to turn out right and you don't want them to be sucked in and swallowed up by this crazy mixed up world that, that we're living in today and you understand the detriment that can that, that is on every hand as you go about your business from day to day but you want your children to live for God is that right tonight? You want them to do what's right. I was praying about that some months ago. I tell you God started dealing with my heart about Sunday school and God started speaking to me about these young people and the importance of not just letting them come to Sunday school but I'm talking about really instilling some things in 
their life, uh, letting them learn and know more. And I'm not minimizing what I'm about to say, but they're going to have to know more in this day than just Daniel and the lion's den and Noah and the ark and David and Goliath. And those are wonderful stories and they ought to be taught them stories, but they're going to have to know why they're a Baptist. Amen. If they don't know why they're a Baptist one day, they may leave a Baptist church and go to a non-denominational or a contemporary church. They're going to have to know their Baptist history. They're going to have to know why they're King James. Amen. Not just because the preacher says so. And you know a man of God don't have time to get up and just give the whole history of the King James Bible or the whole history of Baptist history. Not that I know it all, but I'm simply saying there's not enough time in preaching to do all that and explain all that. But they're going to have to know why the King James Bible is the Word of God. You know why that's that's so? It's because it's being put before them. Everything that you're teaching them, everything that you're instructing them, everything that the Bible stands for is being questioned in the hour that we're living in today. I began to pray and I said, God, I want our young people to get help. And I want them when they're 20 and 25 and 30 years old, I don't want them to just believe something because the preacher said it or mom and dad said it because that won't last. I want them to believe it because it's in their heart and all the hell and all the crooked politicians and all the wicked public school teachers and there's some good ones. You know what I'm saying? But there's some, my friend, they're pushing that agenda. If they're going to be what what we are teaching them to be, then they're going to have to know why they believe what they believe. Amen. You know what that's going to take? It's not going to take preaching. Because preaching, listen, God has manifested his word through preaching. Nothing is higher than preaching. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody that'll shout on singing and won't shout on preaching. But I want to say this morning, everything has, or this evening, everything has its place. Singing has its place. It prepares the heart for the word of God and helps promote worship. Preaching has its place because it brings souls to the foot of the cross. And preaching, my friend, is confrontational and it helps us get closer to God. It has its place. I'm not minimizing anything. But I think if there's probably one area that's been minimized in our fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist churches, it's the area of teaching. Amen? Now, we're not taking the place of preaching when it's a 11 o'clock, when it's 6 o'clock, and on Wednesday night, when the man of God gets up, I'm not, I'm not going to get up here and teach. Uh, I'm going to preach, amen, and because that's what God called me to do. And you come to hear preaching, amen. I remember one time years ago, a man got up and he said, you'll find your scripture, you'll find your lesson. Uh, and I thought to myself, and I wasn't being critical, but I thought I didn't call you to come give a lesson, amen. I mean, preach, hallelujah. It's preaching time, isn't that right? Uh, but at the saying, having said that, I would say tonight uh, that we need teaching. Isn't that right? Uh, we need instruction. These young people and young families uh, where everything is being questioned and everything is being doubted in this hour. We've got to spend time and emphasize uh, the importance of teaching. Amen. Now why this, why this text is so important is for this reason. Notice with me in verse 7. The Bible comes to the end of that verse And he takes these leaders, and why is he instructing them? Notice this, to teach in the cities of Judah. Look at verse number number 9. And they taught in Judah. And the Bible said they had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about, notice this, throughout all the cities of Judah, and look at this, and taught 
the people. Jehoshaphat saw the importance of teaching. And when you go on and read in this text, you find out that not only did they have teaching, but they had revival as a result of teaching. I want to preach on this subject for a few minutes on a Sunday school revival. A Sunday school revival. We've been revamping everything. We're not changing our Bibles. We're not changing our method. Uh, Listen, we're still going to teach the same principles, the same doctrine, but we've been going through and just looking through things for this very reason, this next generation, things that you and I uh, grew up hearing in church and things that even our parents taught us on a weekly basis. Uh, And you parents, I know you're doing the same thing, but what I'm saying is it wasn't questioned in society. You didn't have to go to school. Hey, every day that I went to school, somebody read something out of the Bible and we stood and pledged allegiance to the flag every morning and listen we didn't even know God but we're not living in that day anymore and so there's a great importance and Jehoshaphat realized uh, if if his generation was going to have what King Asa's generation his father had done he was going to have to instruct them he was going to have to go about these cities uh, and appoint these men that would teach them Jehoshaphat realized he couldn't do it all himself but somebody was going to have to help him. And can I tell you, that's the way it is. Uh, Listen, we need good Sunday school teachers and thank God we have them, amen. And it's going to take the importance of teaching. And this this evening, what I want you to see is that revival can come even through Sunday school this, this evening. You say now, Brother Grant, and don't listen, you can aid me and don't die because I'm preaching, I'm not teaching. But I'll tell you, this is in my heart. It's a burden on my heart. As a pastor, it can't just become and just, and you listen, I love to shout and I love to praise God and I want us to shout. I mean, I don't want no dead service. You know that. I don't want to go to church and just sit there like a bunch of mummies in church and wooden Indians. But I realize as a pastor sitting in the pews week in and week out, there's got to be more. You understand what I'm saying than just going to church and having a good time. And we ought to have a good time when we go to the house of God. But there's got to be some foundations that are laid. There's got to be some things that are reinforced. Uh, And I'll tell you where it starts. It don't start in the church. Uh, It starts at home on the family altar. I would say to every parent, you have a responsibility to teach your children. You can set them in the best Sunday school class. Uh, They can have the best teachers that that a church could offer. But if you don't teach them the word of God at home, uh, you'll undo everything that's ever been taught in every Sunday school lesson in class. Uh, You got to keep God in the home. Uh, You got to have a family altar time. Uh, It doesn't cost you to take five to 10 to 15 minutes uh, and read the Bible together at night uh, and teach them the word of God and when you sit around the table uh, listen talk about the Bible and talk about the things of God uh, challenge their intellect uh, uh, talk about the word of God is that not true amen in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14 uh, Paul told Timothy he said but continue thou hey if you want your children to continue then listen to this verse Uh, he said but continue thou in the things that thou hast been taught and hast learned of, of who, knowing, whom of how the, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He said in that from a child, and from a child he said, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect truly furnished unto all good works. What I'm saying to you 
is that Paul told Timothy it wasn't just Paul's ministry that made Timothy who he was but he had a mother and a grandmother that from a child they taught him the word of God that's why Timothy loved God I'm telling you you take them to the best church you can have John the Baptist for a pastor you can have a fire breathing service every Sunday and your children still walk away and go out to the world if you don't teach them at home amen what do you teach your children I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. If you gossip, if you run your mouth about people, hey, mother, if you spill out poison, you'll teach them things that the church can never undo. I'm talking about a Sunday school revival. Is Sunday school important? It definitely is. You'll hear carnal people make statements like this. Well, I just don't think Sunday school is important. That's because they don't come. And I get a witness right there. Or they'll say things like this. Well, I just don't think Sunday school's in the Bible. I, I, listen, I, I had a, a man say that. I saw it's all in the Bible. He said, Sunday school's not in the Bible. Brushing your teeth's not in the Bible neither. But I can show you from the Bible why you ought to brush your teeth. Amen. That's right. Cleanliness is all through the Word of God. But Sunday school's in the Bible. You say, where is Sunday school in the Bible? Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Aren't we assembling at 10 o'clock? Forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Doesn't matter if it's prayer meeting. God doesn't put one thing above another. If it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 6 o'clock, or 7 o'clock, uh, listen on Wednesday night, God said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as a manner of some is, and so much the more, exhorting one another as you see the day approaching. I tell you, I don't like it when evangelists don't go to Sunday school. Somebody say it, man, right there. And their excuse is, well, if preacher, I'm in all these terrible, bad Sunday schools, well, you've been called into evangelism, amen? And so you just gotta go. Uh, but I tell you, uh, evangelists that won't go to Sunday school, you know what he's teaching his children? That Sunday school's not important. And when they get out on their own, guess what? They're not going to go to Sunday school. But they won't have a problem missing Sunday night or Wednesday night. I tell you, there's listen, faithfulness cannot be taught. It's got to be, be an example in front of others. I tell you, Sunday school is important. Teaching is found all throughout the Word of God. Jesus was a preacher, yes, but he was also a teacher. Amen? He taught the Word of God to the people. He realized the importance of both teaching and and preaching, and we must realize the importance as well. Because in this text, and if you read on when you go home, the nation had revival for one reason, because Jehoshaphat was willing to spend and take the time to teach the people. You know, if you want your children to live for God, you have to be willing to take the time. If I want the church to continue to not have a heyday. I, I don't want this church to have a heyday. I don't want people to say, well, I tell you, I remember back well, during them years. Boy, no, no, we don't want that. I'm telling you, when we're all dead and gone and Jesus hadn't come and y'all are all gray hairs and, and you've got children and grandchildren, we want it to be the same, don't we? We want, it to, we want you to have 30 years from now, 40 years from now, well, even more of God than we have tonight. But I'll tell you, it doesn't come by just wishful thinking. It doesn't come by just, and you've got to pray and you've got to soul win. We've got to do all those things. But amongst them, we cannot abandon the importance of teaching. They're ununderstanding. And this revival comes as a result of teaching. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. The Bible says, This book of the laws uh, shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
but thou shalt meditate therein day and night and thou sh- that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success I, I tell you as a pastor uh, one day I'll be old and one day I'll leave or I'll, I'll just come and sit and be a member of this church uh, if you'll have me and you'll let me come uh, but I'll tell you during that time uh, I want my children children's children uh, uh, to be able to have a place to come uh, and I want them to have good success amen I want them to have the same convictions uh, uh, the same standards uh, uh, the same beliefs about this Bible I want them to be saved don't you uh, uh, know that they're saved uh, but it's going to take teaching and Sunday school teacher you got to be a good one amen you got to pray for your class uh, and you got to be a good example and you got to live for God every day of your life and be an example every day so that God will bless your class uh, just like God blesses the preacher on Sunday. You know, if I get out and live in sin and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, I fall short of the glory of God every day. And I have to ask God to forgive me every day. But if I get out and live in sin, God's not going to bless. That's just the truth. Am I telling you the truth tonight? If I was to get out into some kind of sin tonight, maybe you wouldn't know anything about it, but God would know about it. I guarantee you when we come to church on Sunday, it would be different. Amen. I mean, some people can put on a show and, and they know how to perform, but I've never been able to do that. Uh, sometimes, uh, I listen, you, God, sometimes God will touch me and sometimes I just don't have that touch, uh, uh, but it's all God that does it. Amen. Uh, there's no performance. I can't sing. Uh, I, can't pl- I can't play anything. I can't do anything. Uh, all I can do is preach. Amen. Uh, and I need God's help in doing that. But what I'm it is it's important how we live amen it's important how we conduct ourselves if we're going to have revival but Sunday school is important tonight he saw the importance of teaching notice with me these things and we'll be through in this text I notice one of the things that he saw was the importance of taking things away look at verse number 6 moreover he took away the high places and groves out of Judah You know, if you're going to learn, you're going to have to take some things out of your life. What he took away in this verse was he took away idols. And what robs people of of learning is idols. You 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 know what idols do for the most part? They not only get your heart, but they take up your time. Now, I think you ought to take some time. I, I, if anybody on earth needs to take time, I, and I'm not just saying that I'm the world's worst at not doing that. And I ought to do that. And, I, and I'm trying to do that more, but when I take time, I feel like he's always something else I, I need to be doing. You feel that way sometimes? Uh, but I think you ought to take time to, to go fishing or go hunting, uh, you know, or, or do some kind of uh, something that you enjoy doing, you know. I mean, maybe you like to cut the grass. And if you do, come over to my house and take some time and enjoy yourself and cut the grass, you know, or run a weed eater. Do, do something, amen. I mean, something that's just stress relieving, amen. Uh, something that just makes you feel better. I think you ought to enjoy life in the Bible. And if you've got family, you ought to enjoy time with your family. But I want to tell you something. You've got to be careful with your time. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 said, redeeming the time. That means purchase it, buy it up, make the most of it. Don't waste time. I tell you, that, that's something that we can't afford to do. You've only got so many days and so many hours in your lifetime. Don't waste it. Young people, don't waste your youth. 
And idols will rob you of time. Now, you can make anything an idol. And if you give something up, don't expect somebody else to give it up because if it's not sin, just because it was an idol in your life, that doesn't mean it's an idol in their life. Amen? You may be more consumed with the matter than what they are. They may be able to take it or leave it. Amen? But it may be something that grabs a hold of you. And But what it does is it robs you of your time. You say, well, preacher, how do I know if, if something's an idol in my life? You'll know it if you're saying because the Holy Spirit will tell you I'll tell you a good indicator is when you want to spend more time with it than you do the word of God. If it takes you away from your Bible reading, if it takes you away from your prayer time, then it needs to go out of your life. If the Holy Spirit says it's time to pray or it's time to read, but you want to go do this and you just are always shunning your responsibility to study because you want to spend time doing that, then get that thing out of your life. Amen? Because you need to stay in the book. Young people, stay in the word of God. You read the Bible every day of your life. You don't have to understand all of it. You will understand more as you grow in the Lord but you just let the word of God dwell in you richly. You let it run through your mind. You let it run through your heart. You start somewhere. I don't care if it's Genesis or Matthew. You get you a Bible reading program and you go through it every day and you let the word of God pass through you and God will do great things in your life. Amen. Read your Bible every day but you got to take some things away. Isn't it amazing how people can spend two hours at a ball game? Two hours, four hours hunting or fishing. But when it comes to church, all of a sudden we're on a time schedule. And I know it's not that way here, but I'm just saying that's how it is a lot of times. People never think about if a ball game goes into overtime. Oh, they get doubly excited and they're all fired up. And man, they can't believe it. It's everything they hoped for that this game would go into overtime. But let church go into overtime. And they're thinking, man, let's don't get fanatic. Let's don't be a fanatic about it, you know. I got to go to work in the morning. I mean, I got things to do. I've seen people even get up and leave. Can you imagine that? I mean, listen, I know sometimes there may be something very vital that that you got to get to, but if you're leaving to go to the house to sit on the recliner or to sit uh, on the couch uh, because church is in overtime, you need to get right with God. Can I say amen? Can you say amen right there? I'm just simply saying this tonight. Uh, you got to take some things away if you're going to learn the Bible. You, you got to read some books. Read this book first, but pick up some books. Read, you know, a man said to me one time, he said, well, I just read the Bible. I, I, listen, None of us are that spiritual. It's like a mechanic says, I don't need tools. I just work on cars. You know, I got this one monkey ranch right here. And that's all I need. My 1611 monkey ranch, that's all I need. I don't need all them tools. Now I'll tell you something. You're not going to take your vehicle to him because you know as well as I do. The only thing he's going to do is use that thing like a hammer and tear your car all to pieces. Amen. Because you know it takes more than a monkey ranch to be able to fix a vehicle and to understand what's going on, what's wrong with it. I'm going to tell you something. There's no book greater than this book right here. Amen? And this book has to be read first. Uh, and this is the book that we live by. I'll tell you, I'm not a Calvinist because I believe the Bible. Amen? You don't become a Calvinist from reading the Bible. You become a Calvinist from reading after Calvinists. Isn't that right? And so you got to stay away from things like that sometimes uh, if you can't uh, eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Amen? But what I am saying to you is this... Uh, 
is that you know what books do? They help you understand the book. They help you understand the Word of God. All books is, is they're just teaching you something that you did not know about what you read out of the Word of God. I'm saying you got to take some things away. Listen, people spend too much time on the internet, too much time on their cell phone. They read it. They got time to read all of that. Too much time watching television, but they never take time for the Word of God. I'm telling you, you ought to put some music on in your house and sit around in a recliner. Amen. Get you a cup of coffee and read the Bible. Amen. I promise you it'll help you. It'll do something in your life. It'll do something in your home. But you got to take some things away to learn. Amen. I see not only the taking old things away, but the teaching. The Bible said he, he took these princes and he, he called these men out to teach, in verse 7, in the cities of Judah. He saw the importance of teaching. You know, as a teacher, you have to challenge yourself all the time. As a student, you have to challenge yourself all the time. Come to Sunday school with the intention that I'm going to learn something. Apply yourself in your lesson to teach. I mean, give out the truth. You know, I, I've read Sunday school material down through the years. And I'll tell you what I found out. I've got a set of, of books in my, in my office that here's what they are. They're old Southern Baptist uh, uh, Sunday school lessons that, that date back from like uh, the early, or the late 1800s uh, in the early 1900s. Every now and then I'll find one in a Goodwill store somewhere. And what they do is they teach them quarterlies, you know. But then at the end of the year, they would put out one hardback book and they put the year on the the end of that. I was up in Virginia a few years ago uh, and uh, does at a Goodwill store and they had a whole box of them right there. Uh, they was from like 1887, 1888 on into 1890s uh, and I asked that gentleman, I said what do you want for those? Uh, he didn't want too much. Uh, I'd have gave him double what he said but I, I took them uh, and I'll tell you there's so many things but this is what I've learned uh, through reading them old commentaries uh, versus a lot of stuff that even comes out today. People were smarter back then than they are today. You know what they taught in beginner's class? It's in those commentaries, in those Sunday school books. What they taught in, in beginners, I'm talking about five, six, seven, and in, or, or I mean seven, eight, and nine, and then in juniors, nine, 10, 11, and 12, what they taught them, you don't even get it in a lot of your adult quarterlies today. But this generation is wise in their own eyes. They think they're so smart, but they don't even know how to run a piece of machinery. They, they, they couldn't, hey, you know what? They, can't, they couldn't take the spark plug out of a lawnmower. But they're smarter than people who've been living 50 years. Not all of them are that way, but a lot of them are. And I read them, I read them old commentaries and, I, and them Sunday school literatures and I thought, man, I'm amazed. You know why there was great Christians back then? Because people took time to read, to learn, to study. Do you realize that's what the devil's doing in these last days? I mean, I got a cell phone, an iPad, and the worst reputation with both of them. I'm serious. Brother Green called me yesterday and I answered and he said, it's a miracle. I said, oh, be quiet. He said, they do happen. I said, I answer it. I, you know, and it's not that I don't want to answer. It's just, man, that, that thing will tie you up. And you can't get nothing done. Is that the truth? 
Now, if you've got an emergency, please call. If you, got, if you need a prayer, please call me. Text me, do something. But isn't it amazing how we have, we have phones? You know, you remember when we had pagers? Everybody's walking around with that little beeper on the side of them. And you had to go find a phone and you had to call somebody. And preachers used to preach against gossip and they would talk about, you know, telegraph, telephone, and tell a woman's what they'd say. I'm just, I didn't say that. That's what they used to say. And, but now when you preach on gossip, leave all that alone. Now you've you got to get on social media because it's everybody. But you know what all that is? It's distractions. If you think about it, you probably don't. I don't. But think about how much time you spend on your phone. You know, they said the brain cannot even comprehend doing this right here. Because when you scroll through a social media like that, what they said the brain, the reason it, 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 it so messes with the mind is because that you're seeing, it's, so, it's touching so many emotions so fast. It says you're, you're seeing sad things, you're seeing happy things, you're seeing ridiculous things. You're, it's just so much information. Tell you what Satan's doing in these last days. He's trying to fill people's lives. All the devil has to do is fill your life so full that you don't have time to learn the Word of God. Do you know why you're a Baptist? Do you know? You don't have to know the whole history of the King James Bible, but you all know something about it. Amen. Do you know, listen, can you take the Word of God and can you take the Bible and tell someone why you know that you're eternally saved? Don't just say, well, I know I'm saved. and I don't even use this phrase. I'm not against it. But I've never used this phrase, once saved, always saved. I'm not against that phrase. It's a true saying. I'll tell you, most of the time, it's so cheap that when you use it, uh, people say, oh, you're one of them once saved, always saved. No, I believe in eternal security. Amen? I believe in eternal life. Uh, when God saves a man, he has physical life. Uh, it all Ready. He gave him that physical life, but he's dead in his trespasses and sin. But when God saves him, he gives him spiritual life. And that spiritual life, with it comes eternal life. And we're going to live forever. Amen. I'm telling you, you ought to be able to give them the word of God. You memorize the scriptures. You preachers, hear me. You don't memorize scripture just to get up and quote it. You memorize scripture so you can walk with God, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that when you're witnessing to people, you can tell them what you believe, but why you believe it. Here it is in black and white. I'm telling we got to know what we believe tonight. And a church that stays, in a, that stays in a spirit of revival, not a revival meeting, but stays in a spirit of revival. I promise you this, it's a church that's behind the scenes. You're laboring. You're investing in your young people, your, your homes, your families. You see, I look back through this church in just 24 years. Me and Brother Laddie was talking a little bit this morning. I was mentioning something to him. You know, there's so many good saints that have passed on that if I call their name, probably 75% of the people wouldn't even know who they are. They're gone. They used to be, they used to be the, the foundation of this church. But 75% of people sitting here tonight don't even know who they are. That's how a church turns over. Isn't that right? Think about this for just a moment. If that's true, that's exactly how a church goes from being strong one day to weak the next. Because people pass on. And as we pass on, we must leave something behind. We must train. We must teach. You want godly children. You've got to invest in them. And the teaching, he saw the importance of teaching. He saw the importance of teamwork. Look at verse 8. He sent Levites, Shemaiah, 
Nithaniah, Zebediah, uh, Azahel, Shemiramoth, isn't that a name for you? Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, Tobadonah. I can get it sometimes and I can't. You can get it, amen. Tobadonijah, Elisha, those priests, Jehoram, all these different men. You know what? They're working together. Sunday school teacher, you ought to pray for every one of your students every day. You ought to labor in that lesson. You ought to ask God for a touch on your teaching. Brother Danny Allen many times has been teaching and people would pass through here and visit and they'd say something about his preaching and I'd say he's not a preacher. They'd say he's not a preacher. Well, he was preaching. I said, no, he was teaching. They'd say, well, that's preaching. I said, no, he's not called to preach, so he can't preach. But he's teaching. But you can be a spirit-filled teacher, can't you? There's nowhere in this Bible that says only preachers can have the spirit and touch of God on them. I'm telling you, Sunday school teacher, it doesn't matter. You say, well, I just got a little, I just got small children. Oh, I want to tell you, you've got the greatest opportunity. You've got the ones that have not been affected by this world. You've got the tender plants of the church. You've got the youth that's not been scarred by, by any sin of any age. They've not seen what others have seen. You've got the greatest opportunity to pour into them, to invest in their life. You know, Lee Robertson, at 14 years of age, he sat in Sunday school, and his Sunday school teacher, Miss Daisy, taught the gospel for two weeks. And after that second week, Dr. Lee Robertson got saved at 14 years of age. And God used him greatly here in Chattanooga, didn't he? Missionaries all over the world. You know, the church I got saved in, that little storefront building, the the pastor that started that church went to Tennessee Temple. He was from West Virginia, married a, a, a lady from Kentucky. They met at Tennessee Temple, and God spoke to his heart to come to Chatsworth, Georgia, and he started a storefront building, and that's where I, I got saved at. The church that I pastored, the first church that I pastored, used to be a chapel of Highland Park that was owned. They had those chapels all over North Georgia and in Tennessee. And they would buy those chapels and they would send preachers out and preach the gospel. And they ran buses everywhere. And they picked up children and brought them to the house of God. And and many of them got saved. But the first church I pastored, the building that it was in, what used to be a little Church of Christ building. But Tennessee Temple bought it and put a chapel there. In fact, Bill Perry, uh, who pastored over here at Victory Baptist Church for a number of years, uh, uh, Bill Perry pastored that church while his father, Leroy Perry, pastored Victory Baptist Church. And whenever uh, Leroy Perry uh, passed away, they called uh, uh, Bill Perry and he left that Second Baptist Church, that same building, wasn't the same church, but the same building that I pastored in. He came here. I'm just talking about the importance of one man, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson, that went to Sunday school. And it was a Sunday school teacher that led him to the cross uh, that taught him about Jesus uh, and there's untold numbers uh, of missionaries and evangelists uh, and scores of people that are in the kingdom of heaven oh yes because of a great preacher but even more so because of a Sunday school teacher you don't know the impact that you're going to have on somebody's life the first verse of scripture I ever learned 
was Romans 10, 13. And you know who gave me that verse? It was a, it was a Sunday school teacher. Her name was Helen. And she gave me this verse and she said, if you'll go home and memorize it. I can't remember what she was given, a piece of candy or something. And so I went home on a little index card and I memorized that verse. And it changed my life. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever, I wasn't even saved, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You may not be a Sunday school teacher this this evening, but dad, mom, you're a teacher. Teamwork. I think this is a great hindrance today when you got a good church and you got good teachers, but you have parents who won't get out of the bed to get their child to Sunday school. They'll stay up too late on Saturday night watching whatever or doing whatever. And they, they go to bed 12, 12 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And they sleep till 8 or 8.30. They get up and they're half dead. And they try to get everybody out the door and get to Sunday school. You're doing your children a great... If you, I don't know, I'm preaching to the choir, but maybe you can tell somebody I said it. But if it is you, you, you ought to determine tonight to never miss Sunday school again in your life. Be faithful. Pray for your teacher. It's working together, isn't it? And then truth, the Bible said in verse... Number nine, and they taught in Judah. Look what they taught. The book of the law of the Lord. You know, I read something interesting the other day. I've heard preachers make the statement that they, they, and it's a conversation of preachers sometimes. But they said that they, I've heard preachers say, I don't believe in topical preaching. Just, you know, I just believe in textual preaching. And you know, topical preaching is what men like Brother Mays Jackson, men like, men like uh, Brother Cape and, and, and many other men, great men of God, what they did down through the years. And topical preaching has the touch of God on it. It's taking a subject and going through the Bible with it. But we live in a day when it's all about intellect and no spirit. And you can preach expository and stay in the text. But I, sometimes, I, I, and we, in fact, just a few months ago, this little conversation was going on, and I heard these preachers, and they, we were sitting at the table, and they said, you know, my, I don't do nothing but expository preaching. I'm going to tell you, the only kind of preaching I'm going to do is what the Lord says. I'm not going to bind God to a text if he wants to go somewhere else. There's times sitting right there, the Lord say, preach this. And it'd be one verse and a few things scribbled down. There's not anything homiletically correct about it. It's not hermeneutically right, but I'm telling you, it's what God said to preach. And you've got to obey God. Amen. Sometimes uh, uh, men can get so in-depth with the, the intellect of study that, that it takes away the spirit and, and there's no preaching in that uh, or there's no power in that. I tell you, but I read the other day and I thought, boy, uh, uh, these expository guys probably couldn't handle this because when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and those two disciples were walking with him, you know what kind of preacher Jesus was? He was a topical preacher. Amen. He wasn't expository. You can just go read the 
Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's, it's a shotgun sermon if there ever was one. He's all over the map talking about uh, a divorce and adultery and, and giving of alms and, and I'm prayer. He's preaching on every topic in one sermon. I'll tell you everything Jesus ever preached. He preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. He preached right. He preached a topical sermon. He's the very embodiment of the Word of God. But when he was on the road of Emmaus with those two disciples, uh, the Bible said he started at Moses. Amen. And he took them through the, the, the Moses and the prophets. Uh, you know what his text was? Uh, it was the Old Testament. Amen. I mean, he started at the beginning and he went through all of that and he preached all the scriptures to them. Uh, he just preached all over the place. Uh, you know what the Bible says about them? Their own testimony was that their heart burned within them. Amen. I'm telling you, when you take the Bible and you take people through the Word of God, uh, it will help them because it gives them an overview of the entire subject. Amen. That's why teaching is so important. And then training everyone. Notice the Bible said this and I'll be done. They went about, look at this, throughout all the cities of Judah. They didn't leave one city out. And they taught the people. You know, George Bush, when he was president, he had a, he had a, uh, a program called No Child Left Behind. And I don't know how successful that program was. But that ought to be the motto of every Sunday school teacher and pastor in every church. No child left behind. Pour the Word of God into your children. I tell you, the, the burden of my heart tonight is that if they make it, it'll take Sunday school to make it. Now, it'll take family altar, but it's going to take giving them something. They got to know why they're a Baptist before they turn 12. Amen. They got to know that the King James Bible is without a doubt the Word of God before they're 12 years old. You say, Brother Gravely, why do you believe that? Because I'll tell you, there's a whole bunch of people out there that will tell them otherwise. They need to know the way of salvation. They need to know the Romans road. I, I, I've heard people criticize the Romans road. But it, hey, it, listen, I, I believe in the Romans road, the John's road. It's the word of God. I believe it takes the Holy Spirit to be saved. But a good way to tell somebody how to be saved is Romans 3.10. There's none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, that's a good way to tell somebody how to be saved. And if you know that, you'll be able to give them a clear presentation of the gospel in a world that doesn't know. They need to hear the truth. I mean, tell them what Jesus did for you. Tell them how he saved you. But give them some truth. Give them some light along the path that lets them know that what you experienced was more than just an experience. It's in the word of God. Amen. I know I'm saved tonight. Not because of how I feel and not because of what I experienced. But I know I'm saved because of what the Bible says. And you hear me tonight. Don't ever try to compare your experience to somebody else's. Don't ever base your salvation on what you feel 
Somebody said, boy, the day I got saved, I, I felt cold chills. And I don't doubt that. But you better have your salvation anchored in more than cold chills. I mean, I felt a hair raised on the back of my head. That's wonderful. I don't doubt conviction will do that. But you better be banking on more than your hair standing up. I tell you, I know I'm saved. Because on days when I don't feel it, and when days I can't even experience some things, and I'm going to tell you, there may come a day when I don't remember it. But I can always open this book. That's why Sunday school is so important. That's why we need it. As we stand tonight, I believe what I'm preaching to you is what God put in my soul several months ago for the well-being of our church. We're not taken away from preaching and we're not taken away from what God's doing in other areas. But I really think with all the indoctrination going on in our day and all the agendas that's being shoved down people's throat on the workforce and, and just a, a generation of millennials, not all. I believe I'm preaching to the cream of the crop of millennials. But you millennials know that there are millennials coming up today that they don't believe this Bible at all. Just two years ago, three years ago, out over here in the mill village in Rossville, I knocked on the doors right before the pandemic. A 17-year-old boy came to the door and I gave him a track and said to him, I said, son, I said, uh, I invited him to church and I said to him, I said, son, I said, have you ever been saved? He said, what does that mean? Right here. I said, you don't know what it means to be saved. I said, I'll tell you. I said, have you ever heard about Jesus? He said, is that Catholic? I said, no, it's not Catholic. Right here in Rossville, Georgia, 17 years old. There was a time when people came to the altar. You didn't have to take your Bible down there. You could get down there and you could pray with them. And I'm just not against either way. I want you to understand what I'm saying. You could take your, you didn't have to take your Bible because they had heard so much of the gospel in this area, at school, at home, somebody in their family. But it's not that way anymore. I'm going to tell you what it's like. It's like going out west. I remember preaching for Brother Kirkman a few years ago and a lady got saved that morning in the altar and I'll tell you, he was, he, he was shouting and praising God. And we got in the car and started to the house and he said, you know why I'm so excited about her getting saved? I thought it just because she got saved. I said, why? He said, that's the first Mormon that's ever got saved in the altar. He'd been there five years. It's five-year anniversary. He said, up to, he said, brother, he said, I've preached against taking them off in a room. And of course, we know how that was years ago. But he said, I'm telling you, he said, Mormons have questions. He said, they don't know. And he said, when they come to the altar, he said, I, I've never been able to lead a Mormon to, the altar, to, to Christ in the altar. He said, because it takes about an hour and a half. They have so many questions. He said, I, he said now out in North Carolina, he said, I, I never did it. But he said, out west here, he said, I've had to take them off in a room, me and my wife, and sit down. He said, it's usually about an hour and a half. They have question after question after question. And he said, I saw it. He said, after I... After he taught them, he said they, it's a decision point. And for them, it's a big decision because it means family will turn away from them. He said they get saved. He said that lady got saved in the altar. You know, we're quickly coming to that day here. There's, I've, there's people come to this altar and they're under conviction. 
God's dealt with them and they've heard the gospel, but they're so ignorant to everything. And they've got so much baggage that a lot of times, I'm telling you, we prayed with them and I didn't have peace about it. And we'd have to talk to them after church to try to help them further. It's just a different day. It's a different day, isn't it? And we need to teach them the Word of God. As we bow our heads just a moment, we're going to sing, but the importance of Sunday school. Revival for the next generation will come through giving them, teaching them the truth of the Word of God. What page are we going to sing,